Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It was just a year ago that Lyda Cruson was sworn in as the 46th mayor of St. Louis. It's a tough job. It has been quite a year in which the city's seen an unbroken chain of street violence, street demonstrations, important changes in key personnel, and much, much more. Mayor Cruson's taking some time to join us to look back on this year, and we'll look ahead as well. Mayor, thank you so much for being with us. Don, thanks for having me. I, I always enjoy being on with you. And we enjoy having you. How are you holding up? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. When you look back, is there a, a best moment, a worst moment that you reflect upon from time to time? Oh, a best moment. Um, you know, it's not a moment perhaps, but, you know, the ability to bring together such a great team mm-hmm. to work uh, with me in the mayor's office mm-hmm. and with the city. I mean, that that was uh, – um, that's a good moment. We've got a great team of people who, who really are working hard every day to move our city forward. What about the other side of the coin? Oh, the worst moment. Um, you know, the Stockley decision, of mm-hmm. course, that Friday morning at, at uh, 8.30. Or, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, was a, that was a challenging moment, I think, for, for everyone in our city. And, uh, and, and the resulting unrest uh, from that was, is very challenging. I mean, it was, challenging for, um, it was challenging for the people in the streets. It was challenging for the people at home. It was challenging for people who worked in businesses and owned and ran businesses. It was challenging for police. It was challenging for fire. So, you know, it was a challenging decision, which, of course, you know, we, we, uh, we had nothing to do with. But nevertheless, that, you know, the res- was the result. Are you confident that that kind of thing, uh, and I'm speaking now in terms of how it was handled, that that kind of thing won't happen again? The Stockley decision? Yeah, no, the judge's decision? No, the, the, the reaction to it by specifically the police. Um, I think that, you know, when you think about our police reaction to it, it was a very challenging situation for them. Um, and there's been a lot of uh, thought and a lot of training and uh, – you know, I think our our police do a good job, and uh, so it's it's a challenging situation. I want to get back to some uh, p- police and public safety issues in just a moment, but I have a list here of what I'm calling current events. Okay. I'd, I'd like to get a quick reaction to you from uh, on these. Uh, are you going to sign legislation on subpoena power for the Civilian Oversight Board? Oh yeah. Okay. Sign bill setting goals for women and minorities and uh, contracting projects. Of course. The uh, Board of Aldermen is back in session as of today. Do you have any particular priorities for the session? Board of Aldermen back in session as of yesterday yes, morning, sir. yes. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think the the biggest priority before us right now is the budget. We're in the budget process right now. Uh, the budget's always board bill number one, mm-hmm. and uh, so that'll be introduced probably a week from this Friday. They don't meet this Friday. so mm-hmm. And then they'll begin the hearings on that, and, and I'm I'm hopeful that they'll – um, you know, pass some of the things that are in that budget. What about the uh, bill to uh, expand the protest zones around places like Pan Parenthood? That I assume that's going to be coming back. Would you like to see it back? Well, it's really a bill to restrict the, yeah. Proce- yeah. the, the protest zone around Planned Parenthood. You know, I think that is a really difficult um, – it's a difficult subject mm-hmm. because uh, certainly I – live in the Central West End and drive by Planned Parenthood multiple times a day. And I understand that that um, some of the folks that are there uh, approach people in cars and are kind of in their face. And then the question becomes, well, 
Do you restrict their right to do that? Mm -hmm. Do you move them back? If so, how far? Uh, Or is there another way that Planned Parenthood might be able to handle that? You know, I've always thought, and many people have heard me say this, that I wish Planned Parenthood would move their fence in on their private property a little ways so that if you're going into Planned Parenthood, you don't have to stop on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I personally am, am looking for a solution to that issue that doesn't restrict First Amendment rights. Uh, another issue that uh, you, you've been taking some heat for recently, uh, our friends over at Channel 2 have been doing some reporting on your office renovations. Uh, Elliot Davis, I yes. think, has been active, as I'm sure you're well aware. Uh, his uh, complaint, if I can put it that way, is that uh, the expenditure of $70,000 is an unnecessary extravagance. Right. Isn't it? Well, no, I don't think it is. And here, here's really the situation. I, I invite you to come over to City Hall and take a tour with me. And I wish I would have brought the pictures. I can certainly uh, email them to you because there are some before pictures where – you know, the wallpaper and the the water that's coming in through the walls that's eroding the wallpaper that's hanging off in the in the mayor's office and in the lobby. I mean, I think we've got to at least paint uh, the walls in City Hall. Mm. Um, so I, I'll send you when this is over or, mm. you know, when I can uh, – I've got them on my phone. I'll send you those pictures so that you can really see – I mean, all this is is a little painting – uh, taking up the old carpet that was uh, uh, rippling up, uh, not the carpet in my office. This is a carpet in the part of the office where the uh, the staff works. And so when they took that carpet up, which has been down maybe 20 years, they think, there's asbestos under it. They had to take the asbestos up. Uh, so quite honestly, I wish we had the money to take care of City Hall, to take care of our city buildings. We don't maintain them any place near as well as we should. Is that $70,000 an accurate figure? The $70,000 is the figure that the Board of Public Service uh, uh, calculated. Now, most of that time were for city employees who are going to be working there anyway, mm-hmm. so it's their salaries and benefits. Uh, but instead of painting uh, you know, somebody else's office, this time they were painting uh, in the in the mayor's office lobby and in the mayor's office. So, uh, yes, I would say it's an accurate figure because it was given to him by uh, a director in our, uh, you know, in our city. Uh, but, but frankly, I think we need to maintain our buildings. I, I think a lot of people look at this, however, and wonder about the timing of it because of what we're hearing out of Washington with regard to, you know, thirty-five thousand dollar dining room sets uh, over at HUD and. $50,000 private telephone booth someplace else. It's Oh, I don't think there's even any comparison to that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to send you the pictures. I hope that you will post these pictures on your website because I'm going to send you the before pictures. Um, and so then I, I think that uh, there's – there's no way that uh, you. I'm looking around your office here. It's very nice. You've got some new carpet. You're in a new space. It's but almost even, brand new. Even before, right, right. The carpet in the mayor's office, the red carpet in there, was put in when Vince Shamel was the mayor. It's been over. You know, it's over 30 years old. So, um, so anyway, we're not replacing the carpet. That red carpet in the mayor's office. Um, we took the asbestos mm-hmm. out. We pay prevailing wage, by the way which I would think that your listeners would want us to do, pay prevailing wage. Uh, So I think something as simple as painting our office uh, is is not at all excessive. 
uh, somebody came to me the other day and they wanted to wash the windows uh, on the second floor around the mayor's office. But of course, it would have cost uh, the cost of it was a thousand dollars, even though it was city employees doing it. I said, no, don't don't wash the windows. Now, isn't isn't that kind of silly that we're in an environment where uh, I know your windows are nice and clean, uh, where we can't wash the windows without being, uh, you know, criticized. I've thought for years of the exterior of the building could use a good sandblasting, too, to clean that up. Well, it can't be sandblasted, as I understand it, because yeah. it is a sandstone. Oh. And yeah. it, so it's, it's, uh, it was cleaned, I'm told, about 40, 50 years ago, maybe 50 by now, with a chemical that um, – has caused it to to erode even more, uh, but I, I have to tell you, I I'm in some ways I'm embarrassed by the condition of our city hall. Mm-hmm. It's not our floors aren't polished, they're not clean, the marble's not clean, the the walls in the corridor were recently painted uh, this year also because the history museum came in. You know all the pictures of all the mayors mm-hmm. the old, yeah. old that were in there. So the History Museum came in, they belonged to them, and they took those down in order to um, uh, make digital replicas of them mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't f- further deteriorate. Well, you can imagine what the wall looked like behind there. So we painted mm-hmm. the walls in that hall, and the History Museum has put in a new exhibit, which I hope everybody will, will come and see. It's really nice. But I, I just don't think um, painting the walls in City Hall or taking up the asbestos is uh, anything excessive. I I started this segment by talking about uh, current events. And the big current event, of course, is what's going on in Jefferson City with the governor. And we had a a listener who emailed us asking me to ask you, and I would have anyway, what's the mayor's view of the scandals and legal issues engulfing Missouri Governor Greitens? I guess my questions would be, uh, is it in any way disruptive uh, to the city? I think it's... um Disruptive to our whole state, mm. and um, you know, I I hate to see it because I think it it makes it tougher to uh, get stuff done in Jeff City. Well, that that was my point with regard to governance. Some things have really slowed down in Jefferson City, and that's why why I ask about the impact to to, to us here in the city. Well, you know, maybe they've slowed down, maybe not, but I do think that certainly the time spent on this, and and you know, you. Events happen, no matter who's elected, events mm-hmm. happen, and you have to divert your attention to those events, which is what's been happening in Jeff City. Um, so that's that's the way it is. There has been a, a bipartisan call for his resignation and for, and for impeachment. Uh, would you support either of those calls? You know, I'm not in Jeff City. I'm going to leave that up to the state legislature. Mm-hmm. I would just say this. I think that... Um, it makes it very difficult to govern um, these events, make make it tough. Mm. And, you know, politics and almost everything in this world is all about personal relationships, mm-hmm. all about um, trying to work with people. And uh, that looks like it's pretty, pretty strained at this point in time. You, as you indicated, it uh, it's bad for the image of the state. Um, and... There are certain things going on in the city that are bad, bad for the image of the city as well. And I think primarily of the crime situation, mm-hmm. of which you're well aware it was a priority of yours to sure. restrict uh, violence. Talk about that for a moment, the, the image that we have uh, in the eyes of others. Well, uh, certainly our violent crime is too high. I mean, any violent crime would be too high. 
Uh, but we've taken a lot of steps over this past year, as as you know, in the public safety arena. Uh, I named uh, back November 1st, I think it was, Judge Jimmy Edwards joined us as the director of public safety. Uh, he's really been a huge asset because he um, has a lot of experience in that. 25 years on the bench uh, brings a, a, a great temperament, great decision-making. He's a very good communicator. Um, and so I think that, you know, he actually uh, – supervises or oversees, would be a better word, <clears throat> oversees over half of the city employees, police, fire, corrections, uh, building division, excise division. Uh, so he oversees a very large part. Of it. So I consider that a success and really appreciate his, his input and his experience. Uh, we also embarked on, and you know that we named a 13-member citizen advisory uh, panel that uh, – helped the director of personnel to select a new chief. Um, a lot of people thought we should have done that faster. Uh, if you, you know, read social media back at the time, it was like, oh, you got to just, just decide, just decide, Lida, just, you know. I don't think we should have done it faster. I think it was a very, very important decision. We took our time with it. Uh, we had a lot, 11, in fact, public meetings about it. And uh, it was more important to uh, get the decision right than the than to make the decision fast. So we named Chief John Hayden as the new commissioner. And uh, he's been on board now about 100 days, or maybe it's 105 or 10 at this point in time. We named him on uh, December 28th. So, um, and and he's he's made some changes. There's the Hayden rectangle. I know you've heard about mm -hmm. that. It's not exactly a rectangle, but uh, where we're focusing efforts, um, He's recently announced that he's going to move uh, a major back into the each of the area stations to oversee what's going on there. I, I think there are a lot of good things going on, and, and we just have to continue to work it. Yet the violence continues. The last numbers I saw showed that uh, the, the shootings and killings were pretty much where they were last year at this time. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that – we didn't get here in 100 days, and mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's no. going to turn around in 100 days. I mean, you know, this is, this is also not something that – we can look simply to the police to solve. Um, they're not causative. They're after the fact. And, you know, we've got to look to our education system. We've got to look to workforce development. We have to look to uh, a lot of other things other than our police department, uh, although it's the easiest to, um, you know, sort of attack the police for yeah. this. But goodness um, – there, there's a whole lot of it. It's a very complex situation. I want to pick up on a couple of those points, but we have to take a break. We're talking with Mayor Lida Cruson of the city of St. Louis. Uh, today is the anniversary of her first year in office. She took the oath of office a year ago today, probably just about at this time. We'll come back and continue our conversation in a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
And welcome back to our conversation with Mayor Lida Krusen of the city of St. Louis. We were talking about uh, policing before the break, uh, Mayor Krusen, and you said there are many other things that have to come into place in order to to have an impact on the crime and violence problem. I, I saw in the paper this morning that there is a new neighborhood vacancy initiative that apparently is being worked on. And neighborhoods are critical to, you know, improving neighborhoods are critical to the kinds of things we've just been talking about. I didn't fully understand what this initiative uh, involves. Can you explain it for me? Well, you know, the entire time that I've been in office, I've been saying vacancy is one of our our big priorities. You know, there are 129,000 parcels in the city of St. Louis. 25,000 of them are vacant. (laughs) Now, of the 25,000... And I don't want to go too far in the weeds on numbers, but I think it's important to to think about this. Of the 25,000, approximately half are publicly owned, half are privately owned. And we have about 3,400 of that publicly owned by LRA mostly buildings that are vacant. And so our focus is on those vacant buildings. Yes, vacant lots can get overgrown and they can have stuff dumped on them, but the the biggest issue here is what can happen in a vacant building. And I'm mm-hmm. fond of saying nothing good happens in a vacant building. So um, what's been happening over this past year is really folks focusing on vacancy. One, for those buildings that can be renovated, that are not too far gone, we hope that folks will go on the LRA website and choose one of those buildings for themselves, buy it cheap, renovate it, move in, and occupy it. So one is sell those buildings. Two, for the buildings that are too far gone, that have no roof, that have a wall down, uh, rather than leaving them stand there, we are asking the Board of Aldermen, um, when the budget goes to them, to budget $3,675,000, let's call it $3.7 million, for demolition of vacant buildings. Now, that'll demo about 400 or 450 buildings, which is not 3,400, but it's a start, and it's our intention to take down those buildings so that folks who uh, live on a block with a vacant building that's really crumbling no longer have to have that. But vacant buildings, uh, once they're once they're uh, demolished, become vacant lots. They do. And weeds grow, and that creates another kind yes. of a problem. Uh, another problem to have to deal with. It is another kind of a problem, but it's not as big of a problem mm-hmm. as a vacant building where people can um, uh, go in and, and either live or, <laughs> or use drugs yeah. or, you know, commit crime. I mean, yes, vacant lots also uh, are, are not great. We have to cut them, and we spend millions of dollars a year cutting vacant lots. Not that well. I'll add, because we don't have the funds, frankly, to cut them like you or I might cut our yard. Mm-hmm. But um, but vacant buildings are a, a worse issue than a vacant lot. And another project that would uh, play into what we're talking about here is uh, a, a cleanup campaign that I understand that you're mm-hmm. uh, pretty proud of talking about. Well, you know, I think our city is not as clean as it should be, mm-hmm. and it's not as clean as we want it to be. And so part of that was a result of years of not being able to keep our trucks running. We had a fleet of trucks that was, uh, you know, average age 20 years old or so. And so we were having a hard time with that. Now we are in the process of buying some new trash trucks. And, you know, who knew that a trash truck cost $250,000, but that's what they cost. Um, 
And so we're in the process of sort of cleaning up our own shop here by being able to pick up the trash uh, more in the way that we would want to, pick up bulk pickup. But we're also asking uh, our residents, take a walk, take a little trash bag with you, maybe wear a glove, help us pick up, have pride in our city. Uh, mm-hmm. The city will take care of the big stuff, hopefully our our residents. And I know, I know a lot of people already do this, but um, – our residents will help us. You know, it reminds me a little bit of what uh, is called the broken windows campaign in law enforcement, and that is, you know, take care of the little things, and not that the vacant housing problem is right. not a, a little thing, but take care of things like that and let people know that you're, you're, you're out there and interested in working on matters, yeah. and it's likely to have an impact on crime. I, I think I think all of these things yeah. have an impact yeah. on crime, and that's kind of where we started out in this conversation. But, you know... Uh, you can't – if you're the mayor of a major city, you don't just work on one issue at a time. You need to be a very good multitasker and uh, that's what that's what this is really all about is, is to work a little bit on cleaning up our city, to attack the vacancy problem, to have better service delivery, um, to have workforce development, all of those things which give our uh, our residents better opportunities. Mm-hmm. The airport sale. Um, it's not a sale. Uh, privatization, okay. Yep. Privatization yeah. of the operation. Okay. Where does that stand right now? Is that something that you are in favor of, or have you changed your mind on that at all? I'm in favor of exploring it. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, it's been, um, you know, dragging its feet, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need the, uh, the selection committee to select this team. And uh, then we would need the Board of Estimate and Apportionment, so two of the three members of that, to say, yes, we're going to think about doing business in a different way, even though change is hard. Um, There's only one reason to think about this, and that is to get a better airport. Um, A year ago, two years ago, I constantly had complaints about our airport. Mm -hmm. Didn't you? Didn't you constantly hear people complaining about the airport? Absolutely. Well, today, you would think that our airport is perfect, that we have the greatest airport in the nation, because as soon as we began thinking about doing something a little different, you know, that that caused us to uh, to say, oh, no, our airport's perfect. I, I want a better airport. I want an airport that will be an asset for our economic development efforts. You know, companies that would locate here are companies who we already have who want to expand here. Um, you know, having more direct flights to more places uh, is better for business. And so that's really the only goal. And if we get, and I think this is really important, if we go down this process and we have some proposals for folks to operate the airport, then it will require four entities to vote in favor of it. Require the Board of Aldermen to vote in favor of it. Require the Board of ENA to vote in favor of it. Require 65% of the airlines that fly in and out of Lambert to vote in favor of it and require the FAA to vote in favor of it. So if it's not a good deal, we're not going to do it. So the question before us is not do we want to privatize the airport. The question before us is do we want to think about doing business differently Mm -hmm. and see what we get. And I'm in favor of looking at the options. So you're just going to hold your cards and wait and see what what happens with these other entities and research. Well, I think what it is is – does anybody want to operate our airport? Mm. And do we believe that they can give us a better airport? Because if they can't, 
if if we're not going to have a better airport, well, there's no reason to do it. Has it worked in other places? Over half the airports in Europe are already privatized. Um, So it's very common around the world. It is not common in the U.S. Didn't they try it in Puerto Rico or someplace and then basically had to bail out of it somehow? No, Puerto Rico is a privatized airport, and it's actually a much better airport today than it was. But I wouldn't say that Puerto Rico is is, – is like St. Louis, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, many of the airports in Europe and around the world are do have the operations privatized because there are experts in running airports. And my hope would be that if it is, uh, if there is an operator who believes that they can bring more flights to more places, more direct flights to more places, and um, allow us to build an asset at our airport that is really uh, an economic development generator for us. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's that's my goal. I have in my notes here. I have why sell it when the uh, economic profile has been getting steadily better over the last couple of years at the. Uh, at well, the number one, we're not going to sell it. That's such. <laughs> okay, we're not yeah. going to sell it. We're we're wondering. It yeah. it is getting better, and airports yeah. around the country uh, are getting better better because the economy is better mm-hmm. today than in you know 2018 than it was. Six, seven, eight, ten years ago, um, but it's it's not a matter of is it getting better. It's a matter of is it as good as it can be. And all we're going to do is look at the proposals. There might be nothing there. It might absolutely be nothing there, and this, you know, angst will have been for naught. But if there is something there, then four different entities will have to vote in favor of it. I'm going to tie a string around my finger, reminding you not to say sell the airport there anymore. There you go. It's <laughs> sort of an automatic knee-jerk response. Well, you know, there are a lot of <clears throat> operations that are privatized. I mean, we already privatized, you know, the food service at the airport. We mm-hmm. don't we do not do the food service yeah. there. We don't have the cleaning contract there, you know. So there are a lot of things where specialists operate something and, mm-hmm. you know, sure. so – yeah. I, I want to invite uh, listeners into this conversation. Our telephone number, 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org or send us a tweet at STL on air. And hopefully some calls will come in. But let's talk for a moment about the economic development so important to the city. The city is being audited right now by the, uh, the state auditor, right. Nicole Galloway. Um, you welcome that? Is that a, a good thing? Absolutely. Yeah. You know I am an old auditor. I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not I an started, old auditor. You're, you're a I, former auditor. A former auditor. Well, it actually has been a long time ago. But uh, I think audits are uh, are completely positive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want, you want an audit because you want to do things better. Mm-hmm. And um, so – I'm I'm great with it. The auditors are uh, they're in City Hall right now. They've been there a few weeks, a couple of weeks. Um, they expect this is going to take a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if my only um, heartburn about an audit is what it costs, which is you know upwards of two million dollars, and you have to pay for that, and we have to pay for that, mm-hmm. and so of course that you know when when we got a tight bed budget that yeah. that causes me a little heartburn, but. You know, I'm hopeful that it'll be well worth the money. Um, one one of the things she's looking at, she was on the program a couple of weeks ago, and she is interested in looking into the TIF situation. And she, I think, in one of her recent reports, has indicated the city could um, maybe save $30 million by 
you know, limiting the number of TIFs. What is your feeling about that? There are those who think that the future somehow is being mortgaged by Mm -hmm. these tax incentives. Well, I think, you know, uh, TIFs or tax abatement, any sort of uh, incentive that you give to Mm -hmm. businesses um, to locate here is – has to be used sparingly. And it's about half art and about half science. I mean, here we are sitting in a really nice new building, and there's a really nice new building next door. But these are not-for-profits, so they don't pay any taxes. Um, you know, St. Louis University, they don't pay any taxes. WashU, our medical centers don't. So, yes, we need a tax base here, and we need to use TIFs and tax abatement as sparingly as possible without – killing the development. I mean, and that is the art part of this. Uh, And when we live in a region that is so fragmented as we are, when you've got um, St. Louis City, St. Louis County, 80-something municipalities, if a developer needs an incentive, he can just go across the line, he or she can just Mm -hmm. go across the line to Clayton maybe and get the incentive. And so – these decisions, these incentive decisions and incentive reform, I wish we would do this regionally. I think that would, you know, take the competing factors out of it. I want to give as little uh, incentive as possible without killing the project. Are, are there any numbers out there indicating what the return is, or the percentage of return or actual dollar numbers? Uh, on, uh, on on TIFs and incentives? Well, I think it is a hard I, – I will use um, – the Chase Park Plaza never had a TIF, but it had uh, tax abatement. And uh, many people would remember when the Chase Park Plaza was closed for nine years and the curtains were flapping out the windows. And Maryland Plaza, which was adjacent to it, was mostly 90 percent empty. Um, and so when you have a, a, a big – you know, project like that, I personally think that uh, we, for the last 10 years, the, the Chase pays 100 percent of its taxes now. Uh, but I think that was great because that incentivized develop around uh, the Chase as well as bringing the Chase back to life. So I think it just depends on how the incentive is used. We have a caller, Dwayne, calling from St. Louis, who I think maybe has something to contribute to this part of the conversation. So let's bring in Dwayne. You're on the air. Hello. Thank you so much uh, for having me. I had a quick question uh, regarding the vacant homes in uh, St. Louis City, along with the economic development plans. Um, I'm a local realtor, and I was just curious if the city has ever considered partnering with local realtors to sell some of the city-owned properties um, that are with the LRA that are just sitting for so long. Along with, um, you know, I sit on the Economic uh, Development Committee for the St. Louis Association of Realtors, and I'm just curious as to what the conversation looks like between realtors and the city of St. Louis. Thanks, Dwayne, for that question. I think that's that's really a great idea. Now, we do have uh, licensed realtors who work for L- LRA uh, to sell these properties. These properties sell for $1,000 or $4,000 or $6,000. I mean, they're very low-priced properties for the most part. So um, 
I, I'm sure we would be very interested in working with you on that, but I will say that your commission probably won't be what you're what you are hoping for. But uh, I think it would be a great idea if, particularly if you know realtors took an interest in an area, because by redeveloping an area, selling the LRA. Uh, buildings and lots and redeveloping them and reoccupying them, we we build a tax base and um, we build value in those homes. The value of the homes around the area goes up. So we certainly would, would welcome you to, uh, to work with us on that. Dwayne, thanks for the call. We have to take another break. Let's do that now. Mayor Lida Cruson is our guest on St. Louis on the Air. Back with more conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7. KWMU. Now back to the mayor and to our listeners. I'd like to bring in Joe calling from St. Louis. Joe, you're on the air with the mayor. Hello, mayor. Um, and Don, Hi, I just had a question about uh, blown like debris and trash, especially on like the vacant lots. I know the city tries to do all they can, and they only have so many resources. But is there anything new on the horizon to address the issue? Because you know, we all know it makes people feel better if their neighborhood is clean. Absolutely. I mean, that one of the things that we're undertaking here. Maybe you've heard about this. It's called City Block Blitz, and we are taking approach of uh, what I call the worst first meaning uh, the the blocks that are most challenged in the alleys and the vacant lots. So uh, three blocks a week are being cleaned up uh, by city, the combination of city services. It's not just about cleanup. We're also sending uh, firefighters uh, there to put smoke detectors in people's homes. We're changing out the lights, uh, the street lights to be LEDs. The police are uh, in the area as well. We're towing cars. We're trimming limbs. We're uh, you know, cutting the grass. We haven't had to cut the grass yet, but, you know, that's that's coming right around the corner. So We hope. Yeah, that's right. It's so cold. But, yes, we are focusing on that. We're also, frankly, asking neighborhood associations and neighbors to come together and uh, do a, a lot by lot or block by block cleanups um, because it takes all of us, I mean, uh, working together in order to, uh, to have a cleaner St. Louis. And I... Uh, I, for one, certainly think that um, what our city looks like, how clean it is, is is really important to the way we all feel and the pride that we have in our city. Thanks for the call. Let's bring in Colin calling from St. Louis. Colin, you're on the air. Um, yes, Mayor. I was at a recent Neighborhood Association meeting where you mentioned three issues that we're having problem is, pop problems with are the NAACP labeling St. Louis as a don't travel to zone, the vacancy and crime, not being able to afford to have two cops um, patrol each neighborhood. Have you thought about how medical marijuana can um, help with all three of those issues by expunging small-time marijuana arrests and helping the victims of the war on on drugs and also um, rezoning some of those properties so instead of selling them for three or four thousand dollars, you could sell them for three or four hundred thousand dollars, which in turn could um, fund additional cops to walk up and down the streets. Is this Eli? Um, no, my name is Colin. Oh, hi, Colin. Sorry. Um, well, that was a that was a long, multi-headed question. There, uh, essentially, you know, we want to sell the lots to someone who can um, 
can build on it or uh, we also have something called a mow-to-own program, which if you own the building or you live next door, have a commercial building next door and there's a vacant lot owned by LRA for you, if you agree to mow it for two years, then you can own that lot. Just It's really for a small fee. I think it's $100. Um, and so, you know, there are those ways. Now, if you think that there's a lot somewhere that we could, instead of selling it for 3000 we could sell for 300000 yeah. please send me an email. Let me know where that is because uh, we don't want to underprice it. But, um, you know, all of these all of these things that you mention are, are important factors. Uh, we have a tweet from Lucas who writes, how do we attract more companies to the city instead of the county? Save-A-Lot is moving headquarters. Did the city try to pull them in? Uh, Save-A-Lot I saw in the news the other day is moving to the old Northwest Plaza, hmm. um, and, and that's good. We, while I'm, the, I'm certainly uh, very interested in how the city does, I'm really interested in how our region does also. Hmm. So uh, I'm happy to see Save-A-Lot going uh, their headquarters to St. Louis County and uh, we'll we'll have our opportunities here to to bring in headquarters as well. So we ought to think about these things very regionally, I think, because whether you live in St. Louis City and work in the county or live in the county and work in the city, um, these big decisions that we have to make uh, and the 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 big issues that we have, I think, can be better attacked if we try to think more regionally. What kind of discussions are taking place uh, in connection with regionalism? And of course, that brings us to the whole discussion about city-county cooperation mm -hmm. involvement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to call it city-county combination mm -hmm. uh, because that doesn't um, preclude the form of how, what it might take. I certainly think that we have to take a much more regional approach um, to the big decisions that we have to make. Back last September, it was uh, County Executive Stanger and I named a task force to really take a look at what city-county combination could look like. Um, and we're expecting that report to come out by the end of the year, maybe fall of this year. And we're hoping that that, that report will give us some specifics. Because while we've been talking about this for a while, and frankly, I think an awful lot of people in our region understand that this that we have to take a regional approach a lot we don't we haven't laid out for voters well what does that look like you know what does that actually mean how would it work and i think that's what that's what i'm expecting out of the uh, report that we ought to get this fall do you have any preferences for things that might be done um i personally really think the city and county ought to come together as one and and make our decisions together. With, with the city being another <coughs> municipality in the county or a merger? Well, though each one of those things is a slightly different thing. Mm -hmm, yeah. uh, you know, I think operating as uh, one entity, there's a lot of hurdles to that because of the uh, 89 municipalities. But that's what we expect to come out in the report. So the reason I call it combination is sort of not to um, – bias the discussion about whether it's a municipality that reenters the county or whether it's UNIGOV um, or whether we merge. Uh, some people would say, well, just, just merge a couple of departments. I'm not opposed to that, but I don't think that is big thinking regional decision-making. A lot of political turf out there with the player, yeah. players not wanting to lose any of, any of that turf or their power. Yeah, that's right. And in I the think city we, as well. I think we have 500 and. 50 or 60 elected officials mm -hmm. in the city and county. Um, that's a lot of elected officials. 
that also is part of the reason that we're having trouble with incentive reform. Uh, it, it may be influenced whether or not we had a soccer team. Uh, it goes to uh, when the county went for Prop P to give their police officers and firefighters a raise, and then the city had to do it, and now a, there's another county that, that recently passed it, Franklin County, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, those are, those are big decisions. We ought to think about them uh, as a region. Let's take another call. Lois wants to get into the uh, discussion, so let's bring her in. She's in St. Louis. Go ahead, Lois. Hi, yeah. Um, I'm asking what are the plans of the city to improve the number of uh, places for the homeless people to live? Thank you for that, Lois. Um, You know, the city last year, a little over a year ago, uh, opened Biddle House, and that is an emergency shelter for about 100 people. And uh, this winter, as you know, was very cold. And there's sort of a, a you know, there's, there's, there's homeless people. And we think that there are probably twelve or 1,300 homeless people. But then there are truly the unhoused. Those are folks that, that home, you can be homeless but still, uh, you know, at, as living at a relative's house or that sort of thing. So it's the unhoused that I think we really have to focus on. And Government can't do it all. The city spends about 13 or $14 million a year, um, primarily through federal funding and primarily through the continuum of care and by funding other agencies. We expect to do more of that. One of the things that's in the new budget that we're going to get sent over to the Board of Aldermen here in the next week or so is a little more than $400,000 for the city to do more outreach um, but we, the city government can't do everything. We have to rely on our churches. We have to rely on volunteers. Um, we have to rely on other not-for-profit organizations. And we've got to partner with St. Louis County, St. Clair County, and other, other regions in order to really address this on a more comprehensive level. There is a, a, an ongoing dispute in the city concerning rev, parking revenue. W- where does that stand right now? The uh, the city, as I understand it, uh, you know, wants access to the revenues generated by parking, but uh, doesn't have that access. Is that in the courts now? Is that my understanding correct? Yeah. Before I became the mayor, there yeah. was a lawsuit filed, so this wasn't even on my watch mm-hmm. um, to challenge whether or not um, it was constitutional the Missouri Constitution, uh, in order to have the parking division uh, under the control of the treasurer. And that there was a decision made on that last week, but it's a – not last week, a couple weeks ago. Um, and so that is still in the courts. It's very unusual to have the treasurer have, the, have parking. In fact, um, apparently there's no other city in the country that does it like that. Uh, and and there's a lot of revenue in parking meters, parking garages, and parking tickets. And um, so the question is, well, should that be a city function? And revenue going directly to the city, therefore, revenue that you would have access to. Well, re- revenue that the that the residents of the, the whole city government would have access to. Yeah, yeah if there's so-called profit in parking meters and in parking garages that that really is the, is the question well, what what should that be used for and how many millions are we talking about uh i think right now the treasurer has a, a fund balance of 36 million now they need some of that because they've got debt and of course they need debt reserves and that sort of thing uh that compares with the city the whole city 
uh, general revenue having uh, reserves of about $16 million mm-hmm. right now. So that's one of the things the whole city has to do. We, we, have, to, we have to build up our reserves. Um, our reserves during um, the, the recession, the Great Recession, uh, we dipped into our reserves by $18 million in about two years. Uh, we wouldn't even be able to do that if we had a recession today because we don't have those reserves. So, you know, the fiscal health of uh, the city general revenue is uh, is is not that great. It is getting better, but it's not where it should be. Mm. Well, this may cheer you up a little bit. Uh, Jay Ozier, president of the St. Louis chapter of Black Trade Unionists, supported Tashara Jones, the city treasurer, in uh, the primary the one she ran against you. But now sides with you on the flap with the treasurer over the over these revenues. Let's hear what Jay has to say. You further divide the community when you attack a young black elected official uh, such as Tazara Jones. To me, is is more of a a waste of time, and that's you know want to be the uh, the big bad person in the house. Everything got to go through the mayor. Move on, move on from this dispute. Yeah. I'm fine with moving on from it. I mean, and and I'm not attacking anyone. Frankly, this lawsuit uh, was filed before I was even the mayor, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think what we need to do is come together and not fuss. Should the city run a municipal bank? I don't as think pro- so. As proposed by uh, Aldermanic President Reed. I don't think so. I, I I may just not be fully informed mm-hmm. on that topic, but. Uh, I, the city's got a lot on its plate. I can't. I I don't see us running a, a municipal bank. Well, you know what Willie Sutton said, the famous bank robber. He robbed banks because that's where the money is. Right. The city yeah. needs money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, I I I don't at this point in time, based on what I know about it, I don't I don't see the city operating a municipal bank as a good idea. Now, should we? Have you heard of greenlining? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've all heard of redlining, right? <clears throat> yeah, right? So should we certainly encourage the banks that we have to be greenlining? We need to push banks, uh, and they all are under the Community Reinvestment Act, CRA. We need to push those banks to uh, provide money for folks to renovate homes in areas that they may be formerly redlined. Uh, and we certainly need to do that, and we need to make those funds available to people to do that. But we need to do it through – there are a lot of banks out there. We did a program earlier this week in which greenlining was a prominent part. There's going to be a big conference at UMSL next week, which people are getting together find, trying to find ways to, to end the uh, in, inequities and segregation in housing in this city and this community. Absolutely. Okay. One more quick question. I think we have time for Loretta calling from St. Louis. Loretta, you're on the air, but make it quick, please. Uh, Mayor Trusen pretty much answered my question that I had about the, acquiring the property for, uh, through LRA. But I wanted to find out from the mayor. Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, we lost part of it. Very quickly, please repeat it. Jeff, Jeff, what's the best way for our board to meet with the mayor face-to-face? Which board is this, Loretta? The, bo- the Museum of Black Inventors. Museum of Black Inventors board wants to meet with the mayor. Yeah, that's fine. Happy to meet with you. I think... Uh, do, where is your museum located? Uh, we're located in the city of St. Louis in the central west end. Yeah, I know. Whereabouts? 1996. Uh, Newstead. Newstead. Newstead and? Uh, near Forest Park. Okay. No, Forest Park Parkway? Oh, wherever uh, it is. I mean, I, maybe I could come there and meet with you. I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been to your museum, but happy to know more about it. 
call your office and, and, and get some information and try and get something set up. Sure. Send me an email. Tell me where your museum is, and, and uh, you know, I'll come by sometime. Will do. Thank you so much. Sure. Okay. As time winds down, uh, we have a tweet from Matt who asks, Mayor Krusen, are you committed to sustaining St. Louis Office of Financial Empowerment and its programs? I think the Office of Financial Empowerment has done a lot of good work. So, yeah, I mean, it's not an office under the mayor, but uh, it is part of the treasurer's budget. He probably knows that, and then that goes to the Board of Aldermen. Her budget goes to the Board of Aldermen for uh, for approval. So, We have uh, one minute left, and Nate tweets, If the mayoral election were today, what milestones would Mayor Krusen point to in order to convince voters to retain her? What milestones does she expect? to point to prior to the next election? That's a big question. Certainly we would point to public safety. We would point to, um, for going forward in the future, if we were doing it today, we'd be talking about clean up St. Louis. We'd be talking about reducing the number of vacant buildings we have. We'd be talking about more equitable service delivery and better service delivery. Uh, So those are just a few of the things. Is this job, in a a few seconds, everything that you thought it would be when you uh, ran for it and became elected? This is a great job. It really is. It's certainly uh, a challenging job, but Mm -hmm. it's a great job. And uh, it's it's such an honor, and I'm so proud to be able to uh, represent the people of the city of St. Louis. And, you know, the best thing about this job— all the all the great folks you get to meet and talk to and uh, confer with. So uh, it's a great job. We're so grateful to have you with us today, Mayor Lida Cruz, and thank you so much. Thank you, Don. Appreciate have it. have great success in the next three years. Thanks. Archived versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.